introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. And welcome back to another episode of the Pocket Protectors Podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. Back once again with two of the smartest people on the entire internet, Dr. Eric Eager, my man. How are you? How you doing? How you been? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, the the Vikings game on Sunday. It was fun to see. Uh, you know, when they get ahead of another team, ahead of the sticks, uh, the the type of team that they can be. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, man, it was a lot of fun. Another beatdown. Not sure how much we learned from that, but I guess we'll get into it here shortly and, and, and see what's up with all of that. Nick, you keep churning out new stuff. Now we got PFF grades coming in with your your NFL scrape data. What have you been up to, my man? Uh, I've, I've been good. I've been, uh, today family went down and did some apple picking. So in the quest to, you know, always do the most wholesome thing today, it was picking some apples and we're going to make pies and apple crisp and apple donuts and all that good stuff. So, but yeah, that Vikings win was, uh, start to finish a, a very enjoyable one. Needed that one after the Packers game. The most wholesome man on Vikings Twitter. I love it. I love it. I love it. And we got him here on the podcast talking Vikings with us. So let's get right to it. The Vikings put a beat down on the Oakland Raiders. And it's one of those things I feel like most everyone felt like that's what should have happened. Obviously, there's uh, you never can be too confident when you're a Vikings fan. And there was definitely some of that on the timeline. People being a little bit nervous. People worried about a, re- a replay of last year in Buffalo and those sorts of things. But the Vikings went in and handled a team that is not very good, beat them down. And I'll tell you, gentlemen, when I knew this was really and truly going to be a beatdown is when I was doing my interview with Bill Williamson, who covers the Raiders, and asked him where he thought the Raiders might have the biggest advantage in the game. And he kind of laughed and couldn't come up with one. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) I felt like things were going to go our way at that point. But Nick... When you have a game like this, and this is the second one of these we've had this year, um, what can you actually take away from it? When you when you go in there, and I guess, I guess all the games have been like that one way or the other. When one team gets out to a really big lead really quickly, kind of switches up how they're playing. Like, what is it that we should be pulling away? What should we be taking away from a beatdown of a team like Oakland that just frankly wasn't that good and wasn't able to compete with the Vikings? Yeah, it's pretty wild that three games in, the Vikings have had uh, one team, either them or their opponents, started out 21 nothing. So uh, we started out 21 nothing with the Falcons, and the game was kind of over right away. And then started out 21 nothing with the Raiders. Obviously, this last week um, it was just sort of start to finish. And then the Packers went up 21 nothing, and we had tried to claw our ways back. But um, it was uh, an interesting game. It, one thing you can't really take away from it is uh, play calling tendencies. That's always kind of the regular season. It's always kind of you save the good stuff for the for the playoffs, but um, in this game especially, you know, it was kind of 
they got up quick and they just went back to the well of wide zone because it was working and um, didn't really get too uh, too tricky or complicated after that. We did get that one cute um, Adam Thielen handoff on the one yard line. That was kind of cool, but but otherwise it was kind of pretty generic offensive play calling. But that's what happens when you score a touchdown on three of your first four drives and the Raiders have one first down on their first three drives. So. Um, yeah, it was uh, start to finish a good thing. Maybe you can one thing you can really take away from it though is the performance of the players. I think by now we know pretty confidently that Everson Griffin is back. Um, you you can just see it on film. His burst off the line of scrimmage is back where it was pre uh, foot injury in 2017. So that's that's really great to see. Um, he was destroying um, everybody. Uh, his, his bull rush move, you, you see that power there and you see the spin move too. So destroying people to Neil Hunter too. Both have had really strong starts to the season. Secondary looks good. Uh, Mike Hughes maybe had a shaky start, but otherwise secondary looks really good. They were pressuring Derek Carr. And even when Carr wasn't under pressure, um, he was, uh, making dumb decisions and acting yeah, like careful, he was pressure. Care, careful, Nick. Careful, Nick. David Carr, might, <laughs> he might listen to this podcast and he'll have something to say about that. So you, you just be careful about what you're saying about Derek because he, you don't want he, one of the 32 quarterbacks in the NFL to uh, block <laughs> you on Twitter uh, or his brother. Um, I, just, I just came across a really interesting stat, guys. I kind of want to throw this out there. Okay, okay, throw it out. Dalvin Cook threw three games. Among all running backs that have over 20 carries, he's leading the league 6.6 yards per per carry. That's pretty fantastic. 4.1 yards per carry after contact. 233 yards after contact. The Vikings, after week three of last year, actually, in fact, it probably took them until week five to have that many rushing yards. Um, But after week three, they had not even eclipsed 200 rushing yards total, including 14 against the Bills. (laughs) So that's pretty impressive. It's even more impressive when you add in Alexander Madison, who I believe, let me let me uh, come in here with, with his, I believe he's something like 93 yards after contact, 3.7 yards per carry after contact. We're talking about a running game that was one of the league's worst a season ago. Now, even if you look at after they're getting hit, uh, generating a ton of value there, uh, that's a great sign for the run game because we know that some of those things are pretty unstable, but the Vikings are doing some stable things with the running back position. I, I need you guys to help me out here because I, I will be the first to admit, um, and 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 I, we've talked about it, you know, offline. We've talked about it in in the group chat. But I, I think I have a, a strong style bias against Alexander Madison and the way he runs. And even though when I go and actually research him and and try to fight that bias, I look at the numbers and it shows that, you know, he's top 10 in elusive rating and he's breaking tackles and getting yards after the carry. When I'd watch him, I'm just generally not that impressed with him. Help me, Eric. I know film study is not, you know, you're one of those stats nerds that thinks the game is played in in a spreadsheet, but can you help me? What can, can, what can I do to get over this bias that I have against Alexander Madison? And the way he runs well, the football. I'm super conflicted because, you know, while I don't, I do watch film, I do watch games, uh, you know, on the Monday after, but uh, I also uh, bet a lot on late Saturday football and Boise State with Alexander Madison was a, was a prime uh, bet spot for me last year. So I like Alexander Madison's style. I like his ability to grind out games uh, and get covers for me. But um, that being said, He's not the explosive runner that Cook is. 
he is a he is a different sort of change of pace guy. Um, but you know, there's there's a ton to like about him. I mean, when you're talking about a guy who you know he's broken six tackles already on 25 carries. He's gotten six yard you know carries of 10 or more. Um, there was a time I believe it was 2016 where the Vikings had the least number uh, of 10 to 20 yard carries in the league. Uh, and now they're getting explosive plays from the running game, which is good because you know they're, they're not getting them from the passing game. Um, and, and so I think Madison's a decent like compliment here. Uh, you know, they obviously, you know, the third guy, you know, Mike Boone is a pretty athletic guy, uh, Amir Abdullah as well. But I think Madison's doing exactly what they drafted him for, which is to sort of, you know, come in and compliment Cook and make sure that he he's not getting too much uh, in the in the way of uh, of a beating early on. Yeah, and so one of the things you just said right there that I wanted to touch on, and it's actually uh, it was a conversation that was born out of uh, one of the charts that Nick posted uh, actually last week, where he was plotting uh, you know RB success rate and uh, EPA per rush, and we're having a bit of a conversation. Is EPA predictive for running backs? And then I think I asked you, Ben Walt Baldwin, Josh Hermsmeyer, Kevin Cole. Um, you know, is EPA per rush stable or predictive? Um, and then also, uh, yeah, basically, and then just jokingly, I said, asking for Mike Zimmer, Josh, uh, quickly responded, no, Ben, of course, quickly responded and said, no, but you just mentioned that the Vikings are doing some things in the rush game that are a bit more sticky are a bit more predictive. Uh, can you help us understand, um, what things in the running game? Cause I know it's talked about a lot by people who favor analytics that the rush game, the running game, isn't something really you should bank on or can bank on. Well, what are the things that you're seeing that the Vikings running backs are doing that are maybe a little bit more stable than some of the other things that we we traditionally look at when we're talking about the run game? Well, you know, for me, it's it's mostly it's not actually production in the run game. It's it's how well the running back is playing. And, and that basically boils down to things like how good they are at breaking tackles. Uh, and, and, you know, right now we're looking at a running back in Dalvin Cook who's breaking uh, tackles at better than any back in the league except for Le'Veon Bell. Um, Alvin Kamara is up there as well, especially on a per play basis. But Cook's doing tremendously there. Yards per carry after contact is a little noisier because you have things like you know you break a tackle at the line of scrimmage and you run for eighty yards. Um, but that's something that you know, and Alexander Madison has displayed that as well. It's not necessarily that the Vikings' run game is going to be super efficient, and we can predict that. But what what we mean is. You know, you're far more likely to have an efficient run game if your running back can break tackles. There's there's like a little bit of a better floor there, and the Vikings are going to have that. If their offensive line struggle, starts to struggle in the run game, they'll still get a level of uh, efficiency that might not be good, but it will be better than some of the years where they had almost no talent at the position. You know, 2016 comes to mind for me. So that's kind of more what I'm thinking about. Um, obviously game script and things like that. Like I think the Vikings will probably have to throw uh, on Sunday afternoon against uh, the bears, but in games where they're ahead and, and firmly, so they'll be able to run the ball, I think. Yeah. And, and Eric, one of the, one of the last things I wanted to get your, your input on there, where you're saying that the games that they're ahead, will they'll be able to run the ball? I know that you'd mentioned it. I can't remember if it was on a podcast or offline. Um, why is it important for a team that, you know, that is favored to be able to run the ball? Like, where does that come into play and how does that help a team win games? Well, it, it just comes in, you know, in terms of being able to hold a lead. Uh, we saw last week with uh, Tampa Bay, uh, they had an 18 point lead against the Giants. 
And, you know, generally speaking, if you're the better team, uh, you know, you're going to be better than the team you're facing at a lot of things. And so if you're ahead, right, chances are the things that got you ahead, some of those strengths, you're good, you're good offensively, you have some deception, so on and so forth, are going to lead you to be able to run the football uh, when you're wanting to keep that lead. If you're a team like Tampa Bay and maybe you're not quite as good as the score, uh, you know, as the score indicates, you struggle to run out the clock, that's a problem. So, um, you know, with Minnesota, it's so important for them, you know, if they get leads um, to to be able to hold them because their quarterback is, is not shown over the last year plus to be able to, um, you know, uh, play when the game is sort of like uh, in a pressure pack situation. So for the Vikings, I think it's especially important to be able to be efficient in the run game and step on other teams' throats because they don't really have a passing game way of doing that. Well, what a brilliant segue. It's almost like we've been doing this for a little while here because, Nick, I got a question for you here. And I want to know, I need to know, it's, you know, a talker after every week, after week one, obviously we didn't see very much for Kirk Cousins. Week two uh, was terrible. Week three, Kirk Cousins plays well, but it's against the Raiders. So it's difficult to glean how much of that is him being good versus the team he's playing against being bad. So Nick, how should we feel about Kirk Cousins at this juncture of the season? Because when you look at his aggregate stats, they look not good. But then if you look at those stats again, and maybe you take out that debacle that was Green Bay, they look a lot better. But Green Bay was really the only super stout defense that that he's been against. And we are going to be playing another one this week in Chicago. So as we look ahead at Kirk Cousins, how should we be feeling about what we've seen so far of Kirk in this new this new offense? Yeah, it kind of depends on which data you want to look at and how you want to bin the data. If you want to look at just weeks one through three um, in the aggregate, the stats are bad. The pro football focus grade is bad. Um, it's really dragged down by just how awful he was week two. I mean, he uh, had multiple fumbles and interceptions and interception worthy throws that were dropped. So um, it was it was really bad. And that really drags everything down. But Kirk is kind of the kind of the guy who, like, when he has a bad day, he has a bad day. But, like, next week he'll be fine. So, um, you know, if you, if you look at it as, like, three separate games, he was really good weeks one and weeks three. He didn't wasn't asked to do as much in weeks one and three. He wasn't asked to pass the ball as much. But when he did, he was extremely accurate. He was throwing downfield. He was aggressive. He was finding the open receiver for the most part. Um, so it depends on how you want to divide that up. Um, at the same time, I don't really think um, the Kirk Cousins we're seeing is going to be a substantially different quarterback than we've – I think at this point we have a big enough data set of Kirk Cousins' career both in Washington and last year under Filippo that we kind of know who he is. He's a marginally above-average quarterback. He's an accurate quarterback. He kind of breaks down under pressure sometimes. But for the most part, if you surround him with – good everything you've got a contender and that's kind of what the vikings look like right now with how good delvin cook looks how good the scheme looks and how good the defense looks at all three levels all right and uh and eric just to, to take this one over to you there so when we're looking at a quarterback and evaluating you know how good they are what their talent level is nick just said you know kirk cousins marginally above average um when, when we're looking at the data i guess how much a quarterback's performance kind of you know, changes based on the, the strength or, or weakness of their opponent. Is that something that we can use to evaluate the quality of that quarterback overall? Uh, 
it's tough because there are players who I think are fundamentally more volatile than others, players that invite more pressure. I think Cousins is sort of on the higher end of pressure invited. Um, but the issue is that the Vikings are significant and the Vikings are significantly lowering his number of attempts. So that sort of lower sample size is going to elicit more variance. So I do think when it comes to Cousins, those two things mean that we know less about how he's going to perform uh, on a week to week basis. Um, but as far as, you know, volatility, I mean, volatility is just a huge part of the game. I just think it's more enhanced with Cousins because the Vikings are trying to limit him so much um, that, you know, but at the same time, you can look at some of these games um, and uh, and say, OK, well, th this Bears game is probably going to be a game where they have to lean on him because the Bears are a pretty solid team. You know, it stands the quarterback and. And there's a chance that what what happened last night, which is that they'll get some defensive touchdowns, some short fields, have some success, uh, it, you know, downfield passes. If that happens, the Vikings are going to be forced to abandon the run game a little bit and throw with Kirk. And, you know, we just, you know, we're going to get more volatility there because, you know, by nature, he's not going to throw the 10 to 15 passes that they want him to throw. He's going to throw more like the 30 uh, and, and against a good defense. That's going to be tough. Oh boy. All right. So let's talk about that good defense. Nick, tell me a little bit about Chicago and, and this game. You know, when you look at things, they're very stout against the run. Uh the last year were were very good against the pass. They got Khalil Mack, who I mean, he terrorizes our uh, our, our offensive tackles. Uh what is it that you're looking at in this game? How do you think we're gonna attack this team? Um what do you think this game is going to look like for the Vikings as we uh, we head to, to Soldier Field to play this game? Yeah, the Bears are a similar team to the one they were last year in that the offense is below average. They're really dragged down by Mitch Trubisky. Their offensive line hasn't been playing as well as I thought they would, um, but Matt Nagy kind of carries them along, still a very effective play caller, kind of is able to scheme up some unique sort of screens and different sort of looks that will give issues and we saw last week like with the Raiders touchdown to JJ Nelson on that flea flicker the Vikings sometimes struggle when you get those weird looks that they're not exactly prepared for so that's kind of what I'll watch out for with Mitch Trubisky in addition to uh, just how well he um, he uh, evades pressure and and buys first downs with his legs so that's what I'm looking out for on offense and then on defense they are very stacked with 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 talent um, uh, I'm still not sure if Akeem Hicks will be playing. If he isn't, that uh, makes our lives a lot easier just because he is one of the best three-technique defensive tackles. Um, and then Khalil Mack is just a one-man wrecking crew, really. So um, looks about as, as good as ever. Um, but the um, there's a few different ways they could go about it. I do think they'll still try and 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 feed Delvin Cook because why not? He's you know the number one running back by pro football focus grade, by yards per carry, by total rushing yardage by by some distance. So um and with the beauty of the the outside zone scheme is you kind of just need to get one guy out of the gap and you're good. You you don't need to target a particular player or do anything. You kind of just need one player to to mess things up. And you there are ways to to bait them into doing that with motion and uh, with how you're using your fullbacks and your tight ends. So um, I do think they'll um, have some limited success with the run game, and then um, I, I like I still like the, the the matchups in the air. I know Eddie Jackson's a very good corner. Uh, Clinton Dix had multiple interceptions last night that were kind of thrown straight towards him. 
Um, but you've got Diggs and Thielen running all over the field, and I like their matchups against Amukamara or Fuller, or you get Thielen in the slot. Buster Spryne is not very good either. So um, I, I, I kind of like that matchup. And I, I should say, Irv Smith looked really good last week, like both as a blocker and as a receiver. He's got good route running and kind of got some wiggle. He stems his routes well and sells them at the break well. So um, that could be another way because I, as you know, as good as like Mack and Floyd are, I'm not sure like Danny Trevathan is a good coverage linebacker. So um, two different ways to attack them. Obviously a stout, stout defense, stout scheme, but we'll see how it goes in Soldier Field. All right, Eric. And from a, a PFF perspective, what uh, what are you looking at from this matchup? Where are the places you think the Vikings would have an advantage? Where do you think the Bears will have the biggest advantage? How do you see this game playing out? Yeah, I mean, offensively, I think Nick's right. You know, I don't think any corner group is ever going to have an advantage over the Vikings uh, at wide receiver. Um, I, I think that their tight ends are going to be a little bit mitigated. You know, Oakland has some of the worst linebackers uh, this league has ever seen uh, for years. Uh, and so <laughs> we got a lot of Irv Smith. Um, Roquan Smith and, and Danny Trevathan are two amazing linebackers that I think will eliminate it really attract tragic that the Vikings don't have a third receiver really um, because you know Buster Screen is somebody who's not very good replacing somebody who was in Bryce Callahan um, but I think the Vikings when they if they try to run heavy are going to struggle to throw the ball to their backs uh, and tight ends because of those linebackers and it'll make it a little easier on Prince of Mucamara and Kyle Fuller um, that being said they have the advantage there up front, it's difficult to see where they have an advantage. Cleo Mack, Leonard Floyd, uh, Aaron Lynch are all good uh, edge players. Akeem Hicks is great, and if he's out, that'll really help. Um, but Eddie Goldman is is pretty good himself, uh, and, and so that's so that's a tough matchup for them. Uh, I think on defense, you know, they're they have an advantage everywhere. I, I don't think that you know Allen Robinson's a good receiver, but he's more of a big physical guy, and that's where Xavier Rhodes excels. Uh, they're two speedier guys. Uh, might give you know uh, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller might give you know the J. Ron curses uh, uh, and the Trey Wayne some fits, but um, but that requires Mitch Trubisky to make accurate throws, uh, especially into the tight windows that the Vikings are going to give him, and I just don't see that happening. Um, I don't really see an issue. Anthony Barr was replaced. You know that's kind of the running back of the defense. Uh, so he was easily replaced by by Wilson. I think that'll happen again if he's out. Uh, Kendricks is fine, uh, and they can rush the passer. The Bears have a better offensive line than the Vikings, um, but Trubisky's pocket awareness is not something I'm scared of. So, uh, you know, it basically is going to be about big plays and, and turnovers, and I think both quarterbacks are are equally prone to those. So it'll be, to me, a kind of a toss-up, which is why I think the Bears, I think the Bears by about three, um, just because of home field advantage. Are the Bears even getting their full home field advantage? I saw early in the week somewhere where uh, like someone online uh, posted that uh, the lines opened at two point five or something like that. Like the uh, this the, the the lack of trust in Trubisky, the the Bears weren't actually even getting their full home field. Is that accurate or is that line changed, Eric? Uh, it opened at three um, and it got bet down to two and a half. So people have been uh, a little bit into the Vikings here, uh, and I think. Even though the Bay and part of it could have been seeing sort of where the Bears were vulnerable on Monday Night Football, they certainly took it to Washington in the first half. Um, but a lot of that had to do uh, with turnover luck and and the ineptitude of Washington. Um, and then they let Washington back into the game, which I think is troubling if you're if you want to back the Bears in this spot. 
Um, the total on this game is 38 and a half, which is one of two games in the NFL that's under 40. You don't see a lot of games under 40 in the NFL right now, but I certainly uh, understand where it's at. Um, but yeah, we have seen some support for Minnesota. Uh, this is really interesting because the Vikings against the spread, the, la- the last, you know, basically the entire Zimmer era have blown out teams that they that they're favored against. I think of Miami last season. I think of, uh, you know, teams like that. Uh, the only exception being Buffalo in recent years. Uh, and have really struggled in in games like this, uh, especially this particular Chicago spot, and then week two against Green Bay, where the spread was basically the same. So um, I I would lean Chicago here if if I was only laying two and a half. If it was the full three, I think I'd support Minnesota. Okay. So uh, Eric's predicting a very close matchup, uh, but leaning Chicago, but not. Doesn't sound too sure, too confident, not all the way out there saying it with his chest. Nick, how about you? What are you thinking in this game? Because obviously the Chicago defense is is very good. Minnesota's defense is also very good. So if you're leaning one way on offense, do you think maybe the Vikings offense would be good enough to take take it their way? How do you think this game's going to go? I think I agree um, that given the home field advantage at Soldier Field, the Bears probably should, you know, numerically be about a field goal favorites, maybe a little bit less. But um, if that's what the numbers say, my heart says the Vikings are a more talented team at the positions that matter and they have better coaches. So uh, I don't know. I could definitely see the Vikings eking out a win here, but I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to come a lot. I think it's really going to come down to, to, to luck, turnover luck. Are you recovering those fumbles that happen? Are you catching those interceptions, those errant throws that Mitch Trubisky tends to throw or that Kirk Cousins makes a bad read on. So um, I think it's really going to be more of a, a coin flip type game. Okay. I'm just going to put that down to Nick saying the Vikings are going to win. Coin flip, Vikings win. Eric, eh, not so sure. So that that will, we might even chalk that up as a Vikings win too. I don't know. I don't know. Won't quote you on that one, but uh, but that's it. Previewing Chicago should be a very tight game, hotly contested game. Hopefully the Vikings defense doesn't do that. We start off slow on natural grass thing in this one. And uh, yeah, we keep things close and um, take advantage of Mitchell Trubisky's inability to throw left maybe. And, you know, for a Reef's brand, maybe, you know, there'll be a, a pick six on a throw left to decide the game for the Vikings and, and he can reign victorious over all of Twitter forever and ever. Amen. Uh, that's it, gentlemen. We made it. We previewed the game. We talked about the last one. Talked about Kirk Cousins once again in very even and not hot takey terms. I'm very proud of us for that as well. Uh, Nick, I'll start with you on this. Do you have anything cooking, anything that you're working on, anything that people should be looking at? I'm going to write a film breakdown of the Oakland game, but I just thought it was kind of schematically uninteresting. But I'll probably still slap something together um, in either tomorrow or the next day. Um, and maybe I'll take a look at Herb Smith and CJ Ham. I think those two guys have been kind of unsung heroes in the offensive engine and how it's been able to put up, you know, 21 points in the first few drives in both uh, versus Falcons and uh, the Raiders. So if that drops, it'll come in the next couple of days. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Talk to me about Irv. We like that. We like those mobile tight ends. I've been, I've been, I've been looking for one since, uh, you know, <laughs> Bucky was drafted. So if Irv is the one that actually sticks, I'll be a very happy man. <laughs> Eric, how about you, man? I know that you're working hard during the regular season. What should we be on the lookout for? 
Yeah, you've been looking for an athletic <laughs> tight end of the Vikings since Basante it's Shanko. True. Let's it's be true. Real. Um, so, uh, we, uh, yeah, so just, you know, the forecast on Thursday, the forecast on, on Monday morning, um, uh, a few things from AWS. So we did the decision of the week, which was Harbaugh going for two multiple times. Uh, and then we did, we're going to do one tomorrow on the Dallas Cowboys and how over the course of the first three weeks, not so much because of what they've done on the field, but because of what their competition in the NFC has done on the field, um, have uh, almost uh, quadrupled their Super Bowl <laughs> odds, uh, you know, which is kind of nasty to say because I don't like the Cowboys very much, but uh, it is what it is. Um, and, and so that'll be kind of fun. So, yeah, just a lot of content-related stuff, Sunday Night Football, uh, yeah, kind of fun. I think this week, I'm so excited to watch Teddy play uh, on Sunday Night Football. So that, you know, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super torn on that because on the one hand, I cannot stand the Cowboys. On the other hand, it is enjoyable watching Dak Prescott ball because he's going to get deep in their pockets. And uh, yeah, should have paid that man his money in the offseason. Yeah, I'm I mean, if you're if you are, you know, uh, if you're if you're folks who view football the way that we do Sunday night football being a shootout would be perfect. Yes, indeed. Well, gentlemen, we made it. Thank you so much for coming on. Listeners, as always, thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, we will uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. And uh, yeah, we will uh, we'll talk to you soon.